Apocalypse. I ain't no rapper. This is state of the game. I'm this is Dano. I am not a rapper. I am here to help you learn raps. Uh people come up to me all the time, like, you're a rapper, right? Absolutely not. Never will be. I respect rappers too much. Um, but yes, I, I am here uh to, to fortify the whole thing. We have back to back Chicago guests. I'm joined, as I am every week, by a very talented individual who you need to stop sending him wise black janitor scripts. He's not going to do it. He's not going to be your wise black janitor. K. Diggy, you tell him. Yeah, I'm not. I will not. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. He's got more range than that. So I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. Um we we have with us. I mean, it it's been told uh, the freaky Zeke of the Chicago music scene. Wow, wow! <laughs> Who said that? No. I made Who that said up. that? I made I got, that up. I got, I got problems. I got problems with you. I do not look. My 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 gesturing is nowhere near. Nowhere near. I'm nowhere near as interesting of a storyteller as Freaky Zeke. Um, Nowhere near as interesting of a storyteller. His, if I wanted to be a storyteller, uh, as good as Freaky Zeke, I would have to like do some aerobics classes. Shout out to Freaky Zeke. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you for being in hip hop, Freaky Zeke. That's all I'm saying. Uh, even when he was a rapper, I knew he was there, and he was always being referenced. He was always around. I loved having Freaky Zeke around. Yeah. Uh, so, but yes, Def C is here, and what an honor! Def C hit me up and said. I've got something to talk about, uh, and I'd love to be on. And I was like, let's go. Be, it, because talk to me about lists. I'll let you set the table. But I have a very unique relationship with lists <laughs> that that uh, that puts me in a strange position. So I'm very excited for this conversation. Talk to me about what your thoughts were. Uh, I, I don't know. I think we've just moved past the need for them. I think at this point you know, the rankings are there to stir up controversy and drive engagement toward websites of publications that typically would no longer be a part of the conversation if it weren't for somebody arguing about them. Uh, I think that there are some lists that deserve to have more validity based on the people who are writing them. Like I thought the takedown of Rolling Stone for declaring sexy red rapper of the year was, I thought that that was kind of trash. I think the conversations we have about lists at this point, like just start calling it a consumer's guide. That's it. This is your consumer's guide to hip hop in 2023. Whatever you want, you can find it here. And I think that was something that Bandcamp did a great job of. Oh, Um, I love the Bandcamp end of year. Yeah. They do great work. And just the monthly stuff too. Oh, where it's like, this is the music we heard and we recommend for this month. I feel like that's a much more honest way of approaching that yeah. than this is the best, you know, versus this is the best or this, that, and the third. But then again, I'm like a sensitive artist who didn't end up on as many of these lists as he thought he would. So <laughs> it could also be that. It could also be that. Yeah, we, we should talk about your 2023 
uh, just like fuck, like Def Prez is a crazy that that's a crazy album. Like, thank you. That I agree. Is, that like, and I didn't get it. I didn't get it when it came out. Like, I I liked it just fine, but there was a lot going on, and mm. that album, oh, there's just a lot of depth to that album. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of in- really interesting things. I guess I w- wanted to say, like, you know how when you're hanging out with people, the more you hang out with them, the more you have conversations, the deepen the relationship you have. Yeah. Where you're just like, yeah, you know, like that's that's my guy now. And I was thinking about this because I was like, the first time you entered that space we dress the city in our names after that project that i was like i'm probably going to listen to this person as long as they make music wow like wow. I said you took you took the conversation to another level and like that def prez has that that this album mm. uh yeah it's always a time like this has has real beautiful moments like that where you're talking about you know, uh, practicing your set on the way to the venue, going to the venue, uh, you know, being loyal to each other at the venue because you never know what's going to happen. Uh, and that it's just not like that today. And Inheritance is such a crazy song. Uh, it's it's such a re- there's such a heavy weight of not just personal, but introspective, thoughtful in yeah. general stuff. Did you feel like that? went over people's heads to some extent? I think so, because I think whenever you have, uh, unless you're like an auteur who people are very familiar with already, if you produce a piece of work that's of a certain length, time-wise or, or page-wise, I think a lot of times people listening will listen to it, but they may not necessarily return to it if they weren't going to be invested from the jump. So I think, which I think is ironic, because if you look at it, people are always complaining about like, oh, the bonus edition of this album is 24, 25 songs. Who has time for all of that? And then when you get the music that is about the length of your attention span, you listen to it once, but you don't re-engage with it because you feel like you got everything you could out of it, Um, which I think is kind of interesting. And I understand why that's the case. Because at the end of the day, I don't I don't think making a I think there has to be some meat for people to sink their teeth into. Mm-hmm. Um, I just heard Cam and May saying pause in my head after I said that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think I think there has to be something for people to discuss. Um, and I think if you don't give people that and you're an independent artist. I just, yeah, or your independent artists, I don't know. I think the, but I also think that the goal for that project, I think the three of us, me knows the time and Crash know how good it is. Right. And I think we know a lot of people who also know how good it is and right. put on for it. So shout out to Cinema Side, Dylan Green, shout yep. out to, uh, shout out to Andre G who got us in Rolling Stone, which was amazing. That was an amazing look. That's dope. Um, you know, shout out to shout out to everybody who and I know I'm forgetting a lot of names, but shout out to everybody who's championed the project. And ultimately, right, like 
if I'm thinking about it, what do I value more? The fact that I end up on the list of somebody I don't know or the fact that somebody whose opinion I, I really respect put on for the album outside the context of a list. And I think that the latter is probably more valuable to me than the former. Yeah. I, I will say that it's it's there are times when local outlets, like outlets that are local to the Chicagoland area will leave us off certain yeah, things. Yeah. And it's and it's just and that for me is like they're not 49. Because I understand if I'm trying to make a list of 50 to even a hundred, even a two hundred in a year like this year, which was stacked with amazing music, which I think is the other reason why lists are, are should go the way of the dinosaur just because there's an astounding amount of brilliant music that is constantly being made mm -hmm. released for public consumption i it, i think it's too reductive to to nail it to a top anything anymore in in 2024 but you know to to have outlets who are in the chicagoland area who are basically saying yeah there are 50 projects better than this it's like, our, nah, that's not true. Right. That's not true. It's, it's not, you're talking about 50 hip hop projects. And there's some pretty notable exclusions from a lot of those lists too. Somebody like Solar Five, who deserves to make those lists. Right. Who's making some of the best hip hop music out and has been doing so consistently for like 10 years now at this point. Right. And he doesn't get that look like he should. Slime doesn't get that look like he should. Yeah. So just to kind of see things like that, I think I it's always cool to see people win for things that they deserve to win for. So people like Arm and Hammer and Woods and yep. Yep. um you know, they got they got a lot of really cool looks this year. McKinley Dixon. I think that there are a lot of really dope hip I think I was about to say uh dope rappers in I think because of how much music is constantly being released, I just don't, I don't think you can narrow it down to a definitive top 200 anymore. And yeah. especially if you're a publication or an outlet, like your opinion, you cannot boil your opinion as a collective staff down to these were the best 50 or 100 or 100, you know, of the year. I don't think you can really do that anymore. It's, it's, it's weird. And I think, everybody involved in the situation has to change right um like okay it the audience needs to change as well right because what will happen is they'll say man there's too much dope hip-hop to even follow nowadays right and that'll be the first thing i say and then the second thing they say will be <clears throat> oh there's only five dope rappers and they're the five ones i like you know so the, the only good rapper out there is the you know, Ransom and Shane Noir and Ito and, you know, Flea Lord and, and that's it, you know? And you'll be like, eh, that's, how can you say both of those things? Like, it doesn't stop it, <laughs> right? Like, if we have too much dope hip hop, that's awesome. But what it means is your five favorite artists aren't the only good artists. You need to accept that this is an environment where we need to learn to appreciate lots of people. You know? There's tiers. There's levels of action happening. And so, if you're just covering Woods, 
You're missing stuff that's bubbling up. Does that make sense, Ken? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I, I just, I, I think with lists, like, you know, lists are, are subjective. And I mean, for me, the more interesting part of lists is not necessarily who's on the list, uh, but the criteria used uh, to create the list. And I don't think publications do a good job of explaining their criteria or when, when creating lists, because if you don't explain your criteria, it, first of all, we don't have a focus for the list, as well as there's really nothing to argue about because it's just your opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I also think that that criteria, you gotta be transparent and honest about it too. At right. a certain point, somebody at these publications has to say, <laughs> we're, we're rating these things intentionally to get, you know what I mean? We're like doing this intentionally to get attention because yeah. this is the only way that we'll be able to survive. Yeah. If our site gets this many clicks and we can pitch it to advertisers. Yeah, I want to shout out Gary Suarez uh, and his yeah. end of your list because Gary does have a long criteria based in the front where he says, Major label shit's not going to be on here. This is about independent artists who need the attention, right? Um, and and need the look. And so here's what's happening that way. Um, and so that's been that's a really cool thing that makes his list different from everybody else's. You know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, different from mine, different from everybody's. All right. And then, uh, you know, also, you know, I think lists, not only criteria, but lists have different intentions as well. Like some some lists are only there, like you said, to drum up controversy. Some lists are created to generate page clicks. And, you know, some lists are, you know, created in, with good intention. Uh, but nonetheless, like the, the intention for the creation of the list is, is another thing that's needs to be like more transparent as well yeah, yeah, as, yeah as Def said yeah yeah lists are tools of the enemy at times like no question about that <laughs> well, like they are they are tools of the enemy at, at points yeah and and something and something else that frustrates me about these lists and, and you talking about gary talking about major label releases is what brought this to mind I also think that major label artists are offered the benefit of the doubt at the end of the year in ways that independent artists are not. Like if there is if there if there is an album that's released by an independent artist that's panned or ignored or or people feel is mediocre or whatever. That's it. That's all she wrote. You're not going to see that album on a lot of year-end lists. I remember when Kendrick Lamar dropped the Mr. Morale record and people came back to it and suddenly it was like number two or number one on these lists when at the time that it was released everybody was like what the, what the fuck is he doing you know what yeah. i mean like that was the or at least that was the response i was seeing was yeah. everybody was like what you know like his reach exceeded his grasp with what he's going for and then i'm not saying that that albums don't deserve reevaluations but you know 
I, I also think that that grace should be extended to everybody. Yeah, narratives hook in and it's crazy. Some of like some of the albums that are considered classics, I watched the narrative turn against them. Like, I don't know if you remember when Joey Badass dropped 1999, the mixtape. Yeah. And when it came out, it was like, this is the next Nas. I think I even wrote some shit like that. Like, this is the next Nas. Um, and by the end of the year, people were like, this whack-ass 90s nostalgia shit, you know? And I was like, damn, we loved this a month or two ago. Like, but the internet right. does that, right? The internet can't love something for a long time, right? It loves it, hates it, maybe loves it again, maybe hates it again, maybe not. Who cares? Um it just yeah. moves in cycles. For sure. Extreme cycles. I, I think what I'm what I'm trying to say is, is I do not understand how this Drake record was winding up on people's year-end lists. Ooh, I really don't. I'm with you. I'm with you. I really I I don't. And it's not it's not even a change in style because I could rock with a change in style all day, every day. Yeah. I don't I don't yeah. really care about that. Yeah, yeah. It was more so just kind of like, yo, we're we're he's gonna make all the money he's gonna he's gonna stay somebody people talk about y'all don't have to do him the extra critical favor too just kind of like let it be what it is it's, it's if people like it and people rock with it because they enjoy the sound of it that's fine but you don't have to lend the prestige of your outlet to that because i don't think anybody who's really listening in depth as a music critic is hearing that album and saying to themselves, oh, this is better than the best 100, 200 releases of any genre this year. Um, also, Dan, if, if this happens to be the segment that you clip up and put on social media, I'm going to be very upset. Oh, with no, you. I'm not fucking because with that. Because no, the, no. that the last thing that I need is October's very own no, no. coming at my head. I don't have time for that. No. I teach 40 hours a week. No. <laughs> right? Go back to... Go back to my interview with Scorsese, RIP Scorsese, Lord Jones, and find that 30-minute crazy rant against how he hated Wale and almost beat Wale up and all this crazy shit. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I never clipped crazy. it. crazy. I Rest never clipped Scorsese. it. I never put it. I, I, was, I never censored it. It's in there. Like, it's in the midst of the interview. Yeah. But I never, I was like, I will not make money like that. I will not make mm -hmm. prestige like that. That's not... Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah, I chose, I'm I not, chose. Look, I'm not hiding my opinion from the world. I'm hiding the world from my opinion. That's Ooh. fair. Understand. Yeah, it's <laughs> understandable. I would say the, and, and the, you brought up a good, great point though, about the, like the most interesting run in awards. Okay. This is going to be an interesting idea. Okay. The Oscars had the most interesting format for, uh, awards of anyone right the and this i don't think they still do this because they've kind of dipped in and out what they used to do is only nominate the most avant-garde underground no one's heard of these movies right english and, patient right and people would be like no one's ever even heard of these and then they would go and watch the movies the oscars would make these movies big movies that should be big movies and they would totally ignore the blockbusters. Mm. And by doing that, they were helping 
the world of movies. I, and I think that I apologize. I had to, I had to okay. take a quick second out, but I think the, uh, I think, and I, and I think that that's something that made stars too. The amount of movies that we love that are considered classics that were commercial flops or didn't make their money back or just barely made their money back. A lot of them were ultimately redeemed by who was rewarding them come Oscar season. Yep. So, yep. you know, it's it is interesting that I hadn't even thought of that before, but it's true. The Oscars you are know, definitely not like that anymore, though. They get they hold their one to two spots. And what would happen is people would go see movies that they thought would be Oscar things later on, right? So, so I knew people in my office who were rushing to see fences. And I'm like, you're rushing fences? Like you don't even know black people. Why are you why do you care about this? And they were like, they were like, oh, it could get an Oscar nomination, you know? And so like <laughs> they were they, it those the Oscars helped these movies make money that were interesting movies. Right. And and I think you know the kind of tight with the list, it also gave certain actors and actresses prestige in which they could produce so that in the future you know you can produce a movie using them as a star based on their credentials and i think a lot of these lists as well like sometimes the list creates you know critical darlings so you know like artists who maybe we're talking about music albums list like maybe albums that were looked over and not got, gotten that attention, if they somehow show up on a lot of lists, now you have a critical dark yeah. moving forward. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm a sick antagonistic person, right? So yeah. I really don't give a fuck about narrative one way or another. So there's people on my list who are big stars and I had no idea because I don't listen to the radio. I don't give a fuck. But like... <laughs> Uh, my the number two album of the year on my list is Oak Hill, Illinois, Kara Jackson. You know, why does the earth give us people to love? Oh, Oak Park, Illinois. Oak Hill Park. is where oh Carmelo oh Anthony played See, basketball. I, I try to be cool and I, I fail. So, but yes, so I'm I've got this in number two, and I remember like turning to Psalm one and being like. Am I crazy? This is this like is this like I have this at number two? Like this makes sense, right? And he was like, absolutely. There's no problem with this being number two. This is dope. Like, and list season makes me feel crazy because I don't care about the narrative. I'm not gonna make money off putting Drake on the list. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna. I don't get kickbacks. So it's like I'm just putting my thoughts in order. Um, and so, yeah, Billy Woods was number one and Kara Jackson was number two. <laughs> um, so I, it's, but I feel crazy a lot of the time because I'm like, no one else is having this on their list. Like, what has happened? And it happens to me constantly. What was your, what was your intention? And that, when you were creating that list, what was your intention? 
So me, you're talking about me. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm creating lists all year round and always have been right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I create lists to gather my thoughts, right. Well. To organize my listening experience to understand what I'm valuing. Uh, and so I don't, I just kind of list candidates and then organize them and, uh, and it helps me understand where my taste is. Now, for years and years and years, I did this privately and never published. Mm-hmm. I never published a list. So I have lists from 2016 and 2017 that are in my email that I just never put up on the site in any way, shape, or form. Uh, eventually, lists became hot to do, and people loved them. So I was like, mm-hmm. all right, here's my list that I've been doing anyway. Uh, but as I said, you remember, Kay, 2021, I think it might have been? Okay. Our end of your list episode with gang PTP love to gang. We talked about the ethical nature of lists and I turned to gang and I said, there's no ethical foundation for lists period lists are wrong. <laughs> like it, lists are ranking art numerically. That's bad, right? It's bad for the artists who are in pit against each other, right? Like, you know, you're 40, but your friend's 39. <laughs> you know, like that that mind fuck is terrible, but it's really bad for the audience to to, to start thinking about art art numerically. To start thinking about art like it's fantasy sports. Yeah. And and I remember so so here's something I've appreciated. So I remember the source magazine when i was reading it had their 150th issue and in that that issue they didn't necessarily i don't think i don't have songs of all time which that's all preference and that's always going to be an interesting thought experiment when you have people like you know the at the time the staff of the source magazine you know getting in a room and in making those decisions yeah um and you know it's going to be coming from an informed place, right? And also, I think their number one was the message by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, which is like, sure. who's going to argue with that, right? Um, but it would have lists of albums that came out that came out before the source existed that were like albums they would have given five mics to if they'd been out. Yeah, and then the other thing that they did was they went back and they reevaluated albums that they did not give five mics to, and they went back and gave those albums retroactively five mics and then explained where they fucked up at essentially. And I think that that's a really honest way of of approaching something like that. Like I I almost feel like at this point you gotta have you gotta have like of running lists that you're constantly changing from month to month. Which is what I wanted to tell you, right? Was like, I think your audio is cutting out a little bit. Yeah. Um, But yeah, are you, or I don't know, whatever. So like Def Prez, I'm here. here. Let me tell you about Def Prez. Like Def Prez, I mentioned it on my year end list that it was it became the the bar for for things to get on my list 
it became like, you know, oh, this new shit dropped. Is it is it as good as Def Prez though? Like, and so you guys became the gatekeeper for new albums, you know, that came on. Um, so I, I shouted the album out because I was thinking about your album all year, right? As a, as a test point for other albums, right? To to make it on the list. Uh, and if you keep a running list all year and you don't just patch it together at the end of the year, there's albums that you love and you're indebted to, but they're not on the final 50. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. And not that's very true. That's very true. And I think that happens a lot. I think it happens a lot. I think I just, like, I would love to, I would love to hear there's a, you know, I'm a, I'm a battle rap nerd. And so there's a, there, there are two awards that are given by this podcast called champion mm -hmm. every year. It's run by a dude named Jay black from, from Philadelphia. It's, it's really dope. And what they do is they essentially rank the top 50, top 25 battle rappers in a given year, but they have those conversations, the debates, they're fully recorded. They have to come to a consensus and then ultimately the winner. And this is something that I don't, I don't think your endless should consider because I think there are too many variables at play and, and too many vested interests for this to be a thing. But then at the end of the year, <clears throat> they give the person who they found to be number one, like a, a championship belt and $10,000, right. right? But the whole process behind how they come to that conclusion is very transparent, like incredibly transparent. They're all on camera for three hours and they'll release these videos in segments. They're all on camera for three hours. Sometimes it's a live stream and they're having these conversations and having these debates amongst each other and they're well-informed. You know, these are people who like, this is what they, when they're not working their nine to five, they're immersing themselves fully in rap battles. So I think that that's something I would like to see more of in terms of year end lists. I would like to see more, more of these conversations that are transparent, like before you have definitively ranked your list, hmm. you know, as a collective, if you're a podcast, if you're a, um, if you're a group of people, instead of like, show us the messy part of the process. Don't just show us the end result. Show mm -hmm. us the part where people are like getting offended or getting their feelings hurt or having these conversations. Cause I think there are a lot more interesting conversations that can spring from there. And I think that's my favorite thing about music criticism or really good music criticism at least, is it, it asks questions that you then, as a fan and as an artist, if you're an artist as well, spend time either totally discarding because you're like, fuck music criticism. Right. Or you're questioning your perspective in either one of those roles as a result of those conversations. That shit would be interesting to me. And at that point, I wouldn't have as much of an issue with it. And shout out to Dead End Hip Hop, who does an excellent job of being transparent and and having these conversations uh, really in depth and calling each other out and like charting each other's progress. You used to hate this guy. I like this guy now. Like you know, they they do an excellent job of following up 
with each other's evolving tastes over time and like having a really natural human conversation about these albums mm -hmm. um, that fits a lot of what you were talking about. So, um, yeah, it's so I don't think there's any ethical reason to do lists. I think they're bad. Why do I do them? Why do I present them publicly when I didn't for so long? Because people love lists. And if people love lists and it'll make money for the artists that I'm shouting out, I'll mm. do it. And that, I feel like that second part is an important part to emphasize. And that's why I feel like it would be more honest to call these consumers guides as opposed to, as opposed to lists. Cause at the end of the day, that's what, that's what this does. Like we ultimately, if you're releasing music in the first two quarters of the year, I think third quarter, depending on when you drop, fourth quarter, definitely, you're going to automatically enter that conversation. You're kind of like the 60th man in the Royal Rumble. Like you're coming into the ring. Right, right. And it's not going to take you as much work to throw the other competitors over the top rope because people have been spending the entire, you know, they're they're yeah. worn down. Yeah. Just like people have been listening to these albums. If, if I drop something in February, which for the record, I, I got to say, Shout out to Sketch 185. Yes. Because he dropped his album was the first one that dropped that people were really talking about like that. If we're talking yep. about independent yep. hip hop that really engaged that many listeners and it stayed in the conversation for the entire year. Entire because year. he gave people something to talk about. He gave people so much food for thought to chew on that by the time the end of the year comes around, you, you fall in love with music like that. Like that requires that much repeat listening. You eventually fall in love with it. There are some songs you hear them enough. You might not like them on, on first listen, but the more you listen to them and the more you gain from them, the more of an appreciation you end up developing for them. And I think that that's something that's important to mention too, is that um, ultimately uh, an entire, it, it's very difficult to narrow down an entire year's worth of music to 50 to 100 releases. And it's very difficult to avoid recency bias in the process. Yep. No, it's, it's, and I would say my instinctual reaction, Kay, when I see a list that is where the number one album just came out recently is like, this is some fake shit. Like, this is just, this is a fake ass list. Like, if you look at my top 10, all those albums are, are from a while ago, right? The, the Kara Jackson from April, like all that shit is from a while ago because I fell in love with these albums over the course of the year. These are the albums I couldn't get away from. So that's, that's it's the difference between some place that has an editorial voice and some place it doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why when Rolling Stone calls sexy red the rapper of the year we're all we all roll our eyes because we're like nothing against sexy red it's like no this is your dad trying to be cool like this is they don't give a fuck about sexy red like they you know they'd rather talk about a bob dylan but I, well a i think that rolling stone has actually done a very good job in recruiting writers who have, right. who are younger and, and more open-minded. Yep. I think that the sexy red, if I'm a music critic 
and there's a record like the sexy red record that drops that rocks throughout the entire year or that starts off as like oh maybe people like this as a joke but eventually they rock with it throughout the entire year like yeah. i don't know i think there's something to be said for that kind of staying power yes yeah, i also and i don't think the same people are making those lists as they were last year or the year before you know like i think there was definitely a point in time where that was rolling stone you know being a as a dad myself right like trying to be the cool dad and try to oh what do you hello my fellow kids you know <laughs> i don't think that that's what it was i think that there was a bit more intention behind it based on what i saw andre g say about that on twitter which is another place where i think people can be transparent about these lists like yeah. i think maybe and maybe that's ultimately what it comes down to is i think people should just be more transparent about what their intentions are when they're creating these lists as media outlets especially prestige media outlets um and i think that people should also be more transparent about the process in which they go about ranking these pieces of art because right. that that's that's interesting too yeah Ooh. it is it is interesting and i think um it's it's yeah so they are definitely like to, how i view the lists right lists should not exist in a perfect world right the reason lists are successful is they are a cheat sheet like it's like the student that wasn't studying that crams for the test right they're, they're cramming all at once hey what are the best albums of this year let me catch up right Optimally, you want an audience that follows you every week, every month, you know, throughout the year that that is listening for these, for your recommendations, listens to the albums of the artists interviewed and is vested from a week to week, month to month basis so that they already know everybody on your list. You know, uh, that's what you want ideally and when you when you hit me up to do this i was thinking you know what might be the solution to lists is this developing community that we have like next movement podcast create 808 podcast dad bod rap pod you know uh rap music plug podcast like on and on create 808 uh no call out culture dead and hip-hop all these places with dedicated audiences that cover these albums and some of us know each other and pass each other these albums and you know like dash lewis will send something to me and i'll cover it for the rest of the year uh like this community might be our solution for this like to get people vested on a day day-to-day week-to-week basis mm. What is that? Yeah. And that'd be that'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see the because uh, there also would have to be. A re I feel like each if each podcast threw in like one representative, that would be interesting. That would be a conversation I would listen to. And I think call out cultures representative. If I'm thinking with my head, it should be Castro. But if I'm thinking with my heart, it should be Alaska because uh, Alaska is going to piss a lot of people off and it's going to be very entertaining to watch. I would love that. 
and and that I mean that kind of brings up a point for me. Like, I think a lot of these lists, it's not even about the music on the list. It's really about the conversation that's being generated. Well, uh, and and so even even if the list, I I think a a lot of publications, even I I don't even think they're invested in their list either. But as long as if you put something out there, then we you can start a conversation. You can start the act of the debate, the conversation. And that is what engages people more so sometimes even than the music on the list itself. Yeah, and, and I would say the other thing that's weird that happens, Kay, you, you feel this, the, my example is the NBA draft, right? Mm-hmm. Team gets the number one pick in the NBA draft. And everyone knows who's going to be picked number one. And everybody kind of knows this kid shouldn't be number one. The kid being picked third should be number one. Mm. Right? Or the kid being picked fifth or tenth should be number one. Mm -hmm. But why is that kid going to get picked number one? It's been decided, right? The experts have said it. The consensus has come in and you can feel it rolling. You can feel the pressure mounting that you, you better just take Markel Fultz, you know, of, uh, but right. it's, that happens in these music areas as well. Right. Where there was a bunch of years where it was like, you better pick Kanye or you're going to be in trouble, you know? And yeah, yeah, and there would be, and there would be lists you would see where Kanye would be. It'd be the same thing I was talking about earlier, where it's like, there's no way this record is better than, you know, X amount of rap records. You just needed to throw a rap record in there, right? And Kanye is an easy person to throw into the conversation because you enjoy his music without having to engage. Actually, that's an unfair generalization. I think that there are some writers. Yep. I mean, we saw it with, uh, you know, with, uh, what's it called? There's a publication whose name I know. I'm just trying to think of a, a very diplomatic way because they've also said kind things about me. So I don't want to, I don't want to piss anybody off. But I mean, there, there are also outlets where somebody will start off by saying like, oh, I don't really listen to rap anymore, but I love this album. And that's why mm -hmm. this album is rap album of the year. What do you mean? Right, right. What do you mean? No, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. No, it gets it gets weird. It... But you you know to bring up your kind point, I think there's some lists, and it goes back to me. It goes back to intention. There's some lists where they're just trying to get, you know, like get get a uh, a list of the zeitgeist. Like, okay, at this moment. This is what the consensus is saying are the best albums of the year. You know what yeah. I mean? It's it's like, like you, you know, so when we go back to Kanye, Kanye came in 03. You know, we look at that list. We have, a you know, the consensus at the time was Kanye was the next big, big thing. That was the general consensus. Right. Yeah. And, and so, like, I, I think it really comes down to me. It really comes down to being, like, 
clear with what your intention is. And I, because if we're looking, we're looking at the list through our own criteria of what a list should be, but often these publications have their own agenda and own reason or intention for the list. Yeah, no, that's true. Right. And I also, I also want to say, I don't think, and it's weird we're talking about lists and, and subjectivity and uh, uh, objectivity. I think that my perspective on lists is also one that's that's inevitably tainted whenever I'm not on the list. Like I think if we're <laughs> if we're artists and we're constantly being excluded, right? Like we're not necessarily, and it could be nobody listened to the album. It could be somebody listened to the album and they enjoyed it, they just didn't enjoy it as much as something else. It could be that there was, uh, it could be that they they just didn't rock with it. That's possible too, and that's okay. Like, I think that's, I think something that is a positive of lists, which is not something I thought I would say uh, when we first booked this conversation. No. I think a positive of lists is that it's, it really is an ego check. There are a lot of people where it's, a, a lot of times, if you don't wind up on those lists for consecutive years enough, it's an invitation to go hard or go home. Like you either continue to step it up and sharpen what you're good at and, and really focus on making the kind of great music that quality wise is going to be standing in conversation with people who have better PR than you do. Or you could just give up on trying to make great music and just keep making the same album over and over again until you decide to stop. This is a great. So I think that's something that lists do a good job. This is a great point, and I, I'm glad you brought it up. I there's, I get worried about artists when they're in interviews and they're like, I don't give a fuck about what anybody says about anything. I I just do what's in my heart. I'm like, okay, dude. But like, successful artists have to interact with the market. They have to interact with. They're with their customers, their existing customers. They have to interact with potential customers. They have to interact with critics. They have to like they have to be in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Billy Woods is not in a cave. He's in the marketplace. Like he's he's here. He, you know, um, and so it doesn't. And there's you you can look at it lots of different ways. I want to tell you the story about when Lamont Manuel called me a fucking idiot. And it was awesome. Uh, I love that guy. Uh, see, I was, I written this whole thing about Teddy Faley's Teddy Brown Brown about how it was basically, here's why I, I missed that. This is a great album, right? It was a whole item about how I like missed the boat and why I missed the boat and what it has that I didn't see. And I posted it and, um, it was like a part of what it was like, Hey, I just was like another fucking emotional white rapper album. I'm not sure I can do it. You know, like, fuck, there's a lot of these. Um, and Lamont Manuel was like, what a fucking idiot, you know? And Teddy jumped in and said, no, nah, man, he's still publicizing the record and I'm done publicizing the record. This is great. You know? Uh, and that's like, you could tell Teddy has been ignored a long time because mm. that's a mature perspective on like, on that situation. He could easily 
have been pissed about, you know? Um, and I think you have to have that kind of dimensional thinking and understanding to like move through these spaces successfully. You have to engage with the market and, and be able to react off it. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I think if you're an artist releasing music to make money, you're still engaging in like a machine or an ecosystem. And I, I think there are rules and there are components and there are players in that, in that ecosystem that even if you don't like certain aspects of it, they still apply. So, you know, you think of listening critics. Yeah. Like you may not like the list or the critics, but those, they are essential part of the machine of being a, a recording artist that makes money off of their music. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, th and that's the other thing too, is, is they hold us, they hold us accountable. You know what I mean? Like if if so sports, I, here's what I'm going to say before I get into my next point. I always feel that sports it, sports is an analogy to um, art in terms of evaluation is very difficult because if the three of us watch a three-pointer go in and the game is over and the Celtics win and the Bulls lose, it's not like I can be over here going, the Bulls won that game. The Celtics didn't make the shot. There's nothing, you know, there's right. nothing subjective yeah. about about sports and, and the result of a of sports that at least sports that are not judged, right? Um, mm. but I think something that's important is you get fined if you don't talk to the media. Right. Like there was a time, I don't know if that's still the case, actually, now that I think yeah. about it, but there yeah. was a time where you got fined for not, for not talking to the media. Like you had to, you had to face the music no pun intended. And you had to be okay with the idea that somebody may say something foul to you and you have a bunch of different approaches that you can take in terms of how you respond to it. I always love Rashid Wallace's approach of both teams played hard, my man. Both teams played hard, my man. Both teams played hard, my man. I always love Greg Popovich's approach to that as well, but they never shied away from it. And Speaking even and seat, somebody like- State of the game for Marshall Love me some Marshawn Lynch. Say that one more time. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Please saving the seat saying. on State of the Game for Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> Loved Marshawn Lynch. Oh, my God. I, st I still love Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch is is probably one of Take my favorite chickens. football players ever. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I caught, I caught that line. Yeah. Also, when uh, when he went over to Scotland and he was like, there's a Houston in Scotland? That, that was one of my favorite things that I've ever seen. His trip to Houston, Scotland for the Super Bowl, that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yep. I, I love Marshawn Lynch so much, man. By I only way, want good things in life to happen to Marshawn Lynch. Def C, if you, if you haven't seen it on Hulu, Marshawn Lynch was on like the holiday edition of Lego Masters, this reality show Lego has. I gotta watch it. I gotta and watch it. He runs the shit. He locks in. They they like partner a celebrity with like a Lego master contestant. And he like wow. locked in with his Lego guy and was like, it's me and you against the world, bro. We got this. You know, like <laughs> he was like hyping him and he's like, it's me and you. And he just started playing mind games with the other teams and shit. It was fucking awesome. He was everybody loved him by the end. Everybody loved him. Amazing. And I, 
and I think some something that I appreciate about somebody like Lamont, and that's my big brother. Yep. I've known him for quite some time. And something I love and appreciate about Lamont is if he has an opinion, he will stand on it, both feet, all 10 toes, and engage with you about that. And I think that there's something that's sincere about a conversation like that happening publicly that maybe is not the case when we see those conversations happening where you have this huge media institution that just releases this list, the, these rankings, right. and then they use essentially their staff as kind of like a collective human shield. Like you guys deal with this. Like yeah. you guys deal with the you guys deal with the blowback. Like our marketing department isn't gonna have to deal with this. Our advertising department isn't going to have to deal with this. Right. The people at the top of the masthead are not going to have to deal with this. Great Condé Nast, if we're talking about somewhere, some some uh, publication like Pitchfork, Condé Nast is not going to have to deal with this. The journalists have to. Everybody whose name is attached to this list is going to have to deal with the fall, fallout from right. it. And I think that there's something that's much more honest about being willing to engage in even a public discourse on Twitter where you're willing to engage in dialogue with somebody whose opinion is diametrically opposed to yours, there's something a lot more honest and sincere about that than the idea of this is an institutional ranking of all of these things that I'm going to put the name of this institution on and then we're going to leave it up to the individuals whose names are on this list, like who wrote blurbs about the albums or whatever to deal with the fallout from it. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I, I would rather see things like that get messy. I would rather not see things like that be super clean and pristine. And I think that that's the other thing too, is the, the idea that, you know, because you are an authority on a subject based on your reputation, based on whatever, your legacy, that you then are declaring your list king of all lists, but then leaving it to the to the writers who are underpaid to defend it. Yeah, I think that's kind of crazy. Yeah. But that's it, just a that's it, neither here nor there. That's just no, an it's, extra it's important. It's important. I I take half-hearted lists really hard because like the lists are such a part of like what I do just on a day to day with everything that when I'm explaining my lists, like I go, we go extra hard. Okay. Like two, we have to break our year end up into two episodes of over two hours each. Like it's like four or five hours. And when we, when that last one we did with someone, there's a moment where I got shout emotional. Out, shout out to Tom too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, shout out to Tom, an amazing rapper, legend, yeah. and also in addition to being an amazing rapper and a legend, is a very good music journalist too. Journalist, Chicago reader, absolutely. And and so there's a point where I got emotional and I had wet eyes. You know what I mean? I wasn't crying, but I had wet eyes. You won't you mm -hmm. won't be able to tell, but like I was like that's how hard I go on this shit. I get I get touched by your achievements. So. My whole thing has been I should be working as hard on this list shit as the people on my list are working with this music. 
I should be putting my heart in what they they are. And so mm. when I look around and I see people not doing that, or like people with with secret favorite albums, you know, their list is a bunch of shit they have to say, and they've got a seat, they've got a bunch of secret favorite albums. I mean, that sucks. That's that's bogus, you know. Um no, let me ask what and what is your guys' feelings towards awards like the Grammys? How do you guys feel about the Grammys? Uh, I miss the Source Awards. That is my answer to that question. Yep, I miss the, I miss the Source Awards, and I think that the I think that the because the Source Awards really was initially at least, it felt like there were so many, it, it was acknowledging even in the nominations, hip hop acts that weren't always consistently commercial successes. So that's something I really appreciate about, about that. And in, in the Grammys, I think the nominations, with the exception of like maybe the past two to three years, I do think that sales numbers play a pretty major part in what gets nominated and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that frustrates me. But I also think that the Grammys as an institution and knowing there are different chapters in every city and in order for an album to make it through to the nominations, it has to go through X amount of different rounds of voting and nominations by countless members of the Grammy awards because there's a lot like, of politicking yeah it's a lot there's there's a lot that goes into that so i that awards are a bit different i think awards are always kind of populist things too i don't think that they're i, I think they are not populist but i think they can be popularity contests as well and mm -hmm. i also think that they're growing in my mind at least um increasingly irrelevant because I think about my daughter who's two years old is she gonna she loves music but is she gonna care about the Grammys when she's 14 or 15 years old like I did I don't know I don't know if the Grammys are gonna be around by then but mm. that's something that's something um that's a different conversation for a different day I think that you know I think the Grammys are what they are I think I used to hate the Grammys I think now I'm indifferent to them and I'm excited when somebody like Alchemist gets a nomination or somebody like Gibbs or somebody like Chance wins an award, Right. you know, when at a time when his operation was entirely independent. Um, I think things like that are really cool. And, you know, I just choose to spend my emotional energy caring about things that are more important to me during award season. Um, than who does or does not get nominated or awarded by a music industry that maybe not universally, but definitely in terms of that presentation is not always going to honor the best music, but the music that has been talked about and purchased the most. Mm. So the K, uh, you're, you're an amazing person and I'm glad you brought this up. Because I have a pitch. You want to hear my pitch? Oh, go ahead. So. It's your show. We don't have a choice. We <laughs> got to hear it. 
good point. That's a good point. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the mic. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to – my pitch is this. I'm tired of complaining about the Grammys, right? It makes me feel like um, like a loser, to be honest, to be sitting here complaining about the Grammys when I have my own space. So you had pitched a while ago, Kay, of doing yearly superlatives. Kind mm. of Right. I think maybe this year, instead of doing a year end list, we come up with our superlatives and we break that down. Yeah. And so you, we have you know, our own kind of award. And you know who does something similar? And I really rock with the way he approaches uh year end list is Ro from Rap Music yeah. Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think his year his year end stuff is always very comprehensive okay. and detailed and broken down yep. into a, yep. a whole bunch of different categories and the best approach I've seen to your endless is is Rose. And I think superlatives would be dope too. I think that I think that would be tight. As long as it doesn't eventually turn into um not to be not to be that guy, that old guy, but as long as it doesn't turn it doesn't become like a you know, participation trophy where it was just like, oh, you put out a record that people kind of liked? Because I think it should, I think if we as artists and all of us do, I, I don't care what you say, if you are an artist, you are releasing music for public consumption, you are seeking some sort of validation. I think you should have to work for that. Unless you're like some sort of child genius like Nas was, Right, and you drop an album like Illmatic when you're a teenager, um, or write an album like Illmatic when you're a teenager and drop it when you're 20. I think that something like that is an exception to the rule, but I think that there should always be something that we as artists are constantly seeking to do and working to do. Because if you just if if you just wind up not caring, then you either quit. Or like I said before, you keep remaking the same album over and over again until people stop paying attention to you, and you know you eventually start shouting into a void of your own making. Yeah, I mean, what I began to feel was like the format of like, here's the list, let's go through the list, as it it kind of feels like the late night talk show format of like, man, we're still doing this, we're still going out and doing our little five minute stand up and then doing some bits at the desk and then bringing guests out and like we haven't changed this format since I was a kid you know uh and so it started to feel like we need to change this we need to and and doing superlatives would allow us to capture what's happening within the year in like and be more adaptable with how we capture it you know uh so I think that's I'm, I'd be interested in that as a situation, and rather than complaining about the Grammys, kind of become the Grammys. Like, uh, just do it, do it ourselves. Fuck it. Yeah, because I the only reason I bring up the the Grammys is because I feel like like the Grammys have lost a lot of their prestige, and I I think. Awards used to mean something. They used to be important. Like they used to, you know, like 
for me, it, it's not in like Lauryn Hill winning the Grammy for best album is not insignificant. It used right. to mean something. Right. And nowadays, like because now the for whatever reason, the Grammys have lost their prestigiousness or their credibility, there's a vacuum in the machine or the system for that type of, of recognition. Like, I think we, as a society, I think lists are, for me, lists are important because it tells us, okay, this is where our society was at at that moment. You know, like the Grammys tell us, like whenever Lauryn Hill, I forgot when she won it, when Lauryn Hill won the Grammy for best album, that was an important project in that year. So if we don't have institutions or things telling us that, or awards, I should say, then a vacuum is created. And that's where these lists come in, where, okay, now these lists are the ones that are telling us what was important for our, our society and our culture in this year, in this specific time span. Yeah. No, it, I, I, I have to, am I still muted? No, I can hear you. Okay. So I have to be honest. I never had any respect for the, the Grammys. Right. Uh, being old enough, you know, I was there to see, you know, the giving, you know, release therapy by Ludacris album of the year or giving, you know, just all these weird, awful nonsense picks, you know, like, you know, they, they would much rather give Will Smith a Grammy for his rap album than the best rappers. Like, so mm -hmm. I was never into it, uh, to be honest, but um, it's cool. You know, it, it I just want to replace it, you know, mm. I, I had a real fun time. There was one year where I said, here's what I would do. If the Grammys were run by me, here's who would be my list. And it was fun. It was fun to do. So I think I might return to that situation. But um, yeah, people who have fucked with our lists in the past, I want you to know uh, I'll always keep a list. It'll always be really important to me. And everybody who was ever on it is important. Uh, so I I rock with you. But yeah. The um do you, more do you have any more thoughts, Def C, or should we go to recommendation corner? All right. I do have one more thought. One yes. thought. Let's go, okay. So my, my question is I guess we can like button button up the conversation. So what would if we got rid of all of the year and list, what would it look like? What would a world look like with no list? Consumer's guide. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it would be, I think it would be something like you would have certain publications that would recommend certain things. Mm -hmm. If you're into, if you're into this, you would like this. If you're into this, you would like this. And yeah. I think it, I think having human beings make those selections as opposed to an algorithm, which often does that. Like, I think that's what algorithms are, I guess, allegedly supposed to do or purport, purport to do that they don't really do because you mm -hmm. can manipulate those numbers. I think having human beings who have informed opinions helping to compile those would be dope. 
but that would be the only alternative I could think of in a world without lists. Yeah, in a world without lists, that would be the, the best. In a world without lists, Passion of the Weiss would still give you a year end to chew on. Um, you know, Bandcamp would still give you that uh, end of year to chew on. Like it's, you know, BuzzFeed really like you know got lists going where lists were everywhere, and people just really loved seeing a list of anything. You know, lists are kind of mentally relaxing, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So, but if we weren't addicted to lists, the real sites would mm. still list things for you to give you options. It's just that we now have yeah. a lot of clutter in the environment um, mm. that I think we can get out of the way. Yeah, a lot of redundant clutter. Yep. Does that make sense, Kay? Yeah. Yeah, man. Recommendation corner. I'm excited to talk to you guys about country music. <laughs> the um, I've got two country music picks. Domino by Ella Thompson, which is like uh, C Money Burns found this and was repping it, and said it was like Dusty Springfield, which that's that's a great comparison. It threads that R&B and country at the same time thing. Uh, it's, it's really hard to do. Uh, I really love it. And I would go Zach Bryan's self-titled album. I've been digging mm. into that. Uh, I was like, just, just, you know, poking around. And it starts with a poem. And I was like, okay, all right. Like, if you start your album with a poem, you're letting me know. Like, I'm about these words. I'm about these bars. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, all right, I'm listening in a different way now. I was just going to listen, like, in a very casual way, but starting with a poem, all right, it's on. Um, and there were some real interesting turns of phrase, really beautiful songs. and um, Yeah, it's just a really good record. And my son makes fun of country music a lot. Because he's like, juice all but whiskey and beer, and it's just annoying. Um, and I was like, uh, playing him East Side of Sorrow and Hey Driver and Tourniquet. And he was, he, he was, I was like, you haven't heard much beer, much whiskey. He's like, yeah, it's true. So, like, yeah, it's, 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 it's deeper than that, which is pretty dope. The, uh, yeah. The other one I would say, this just this is my guy, like, one of the first artists I got to see bubble all the way up uh, is this dude Nico is just released mm. an album called 88 hours with California Terry uh, mm. just continually dope. Uh, great rapper. Um, what an amazing thing watching Nico is go from, you know, a guy I liked that no one knew who he was to, to live Quali's, you know, road dog. It's, it's real wild. Mm. So. Yeah, that's uh, those are my three. Okay, uh, what are you what are you rocking with? Uh, music wise, nothing yet. This is, this is still still early in the year, so got that no Bruiser Wolf today. coming. Yeah, we got Bruiser Wolf coming. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Bruiser Wolf and and Benny. Um, yeah, Benny. I got a uh, I got books. Can I do books? Oh. Can you do poetry no, books? We don't we don't read on this podcast, man. So, so I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
I knew you. I know. I know you were kidding. I knew. Yeah. You say. Yep. Also, I I do want to say because Dan, I know this is your podcast and people rock with you and oh. you're the you're the front facing public face. Sure. Okay, you're one of my favorite people to have these kinds of conversations with because it's still well informed. But you never let any yo. I just I rock with that. I rock with Thanks, you, Kay. You're very, very, you are essential to why this podcast is so fire. Thanks, um, Thanks man. Why, this, why every time I have one of these conversations, I enjoy them. Um, yeah. Discalculia by Kamon Felix. I think that that's a that's a great one. Um, Donovan X Ramsey. When crack was king. Actually, before I get into that, let me go in a, in depth a bit more about Kamal Felix's dyscalculia. Essentially, it's about um, looking at the various. I think it's it's a lot more comprehensive than this, but looking at the Kamal's relationship with math and how that connects to her personal relationships as well not necessarily romantic ones but kind of math is like the extended metaphor throughout the book it's excellent this calculator is one of my one of my favorite books of poetry i've read in the past five ten years it's really really good it looks dope um really good. yeah when crack was king by donovan x ramsey which i think is a, a very important one i think i think at this point um conversations about the crack era have kind of been done to death. And I think that what Ramsey accomplishes in this book is a complete timeline of various kinds of the war on drugs, of various kinds of wars on drugs in the history of the United States, and is able to tie that into institutional racism and how drugs and how they've been identified as you know, illegal by various pieces of legislation have really always been used to penalize black and Latino people in the United States. So I think that that in, in just very surgical and incisive, like just everything, every, the way that Donovan Ramsey lays it out is bulletproof from point A to point Z. There are also four people he follows throughout the book where I think that that I think that humanizes from the institutions to people who are living on the street, the various levels um, of impact that crack and anti-drug laws had on people. I, it's an amazing book. It's an amazing book. I, I definitely would highly recommend it. And Killers of the Flower Moon by David Grand. I, I like the movie a lot. Um, I think it was cool to see Scorsese finally say something about white supremacy. Like, I think he's hinted at things yeah. about white supremacy in, in his career, but I think this was the first time he ever was like, nah, this is how white people keep fucking up, um, which I appreciate. Yeah. And, but the book is just way more comprehensive and way more incisive and in ways that no film adaptation ever could be based on the constraints of the medium. But yeah, I would definitely strongly encourage people to read Killers of the Flower Moon by David Grant. 
That's awesome. So, yeah. Kay, I don't know if I told you, but the Chicago MC water ultimately helped me get a Christmas gift from my father. <laughs> water, how do you spell his name? W A T E R? Is it two, two R's, R's, buddy? Two, two R's. R's buddy. Yeah, that sounds, oh, yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so, He's a nice guy. I just talked to him on the phone today. He's such a nice guy. It was so, it was so fun talking to him. But, he had the Policy Kings album with Spanish Rand. He had this great song mm -hmm. about Josephine Baker working uh, for a spy in World War II. Uh, it was a really cool song. And I was in the bookstore and I saw a book by Damian Lewis called Agent Josephine about that time with her as a spy. And I was like, oh shit, I talked to Water about this. So I was like, this is something your dad would be into. Like we got, we got him the book. So it was a really cool um yeah, just shout out to Water and shout out to just like the MCs that we deal with here are so much smarter than you know. Yeah. They're so much smarter. Mm. Uh, mm. They're really interesting people and, and I, I gained so much uh, from talking to them. MCs, producers, everybody involved in the process. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate it. Definitely yeah, same here. Same here. Appreciate you guys, man. Thank you for uh, accommodating my request to rants in a public forum. I also, I also appreciate that you guys, uh, that I, I really had to second guess my hard line on lists, mm -hmm. where I think it's, I think having nuanced conversations like these is an important mm -hmm. way of being willing to like really engage in dialogue in interesting critical dialogue about music things don't always have to be diametrically opposed sometimes people like myself can have a strong opinion on something and then can also shift that opinion as they talk about it while also reminding people that my opinion is going to be inherently biased because i'm not just a fan anymore right you mm -hmm. know what i mean right so, I mean, as you know in in judaism the arguing is everything <laughs> <laughs> It's well, like two Jews, three opinions. Right. It was like, like what I kept telling people about Golden of Brooklyn. I was like, this is what makes it the most Jewish album, rap album of all time is it ends with a song calling out Jews. How could you, right. how else could you do it? Like it, you'd have to do it that way. Mm -hmm. um, it's perfect. So uh, right. yeah, I appreciate all the work you've done uh, and continuing to deepen your relationship with, your listeners and yeah but just before i go i would say uh fans of this show uh send k diggy your favorite hentai Welcome tomorrow